All right, we are back with you and first season finale. This may be the theme song we should go with. It's a good one. This mm-hmm. is called Harlem 2. It's on my SoundCloud. How do you name these? I usually make them when I'm on the train. So that's usually where I'm going or I'm coming back from. And I sit and I just use the apps on my phone to make them. So it must have been coming back from Harlem uh, when I made this. But it seems to work pretty well. What do you do in Harlem? Um, work stuff. Yeah. Don't want to talk about it. There you go. Yeah. Uh, the show Mozart in the Jungle, which I really liked at one point, which I agree was the best part of it, and a review said it was the best part. They were on the train, they heard their musicians in the New York Symphony, and they hear all the sounds of the city, and they make a song of it. It was very pretty, so I was along with this. Um, that's Erica and Adams to my left. Uh, we just did a show about Twenty One Jump Street, which was eh, not really. I don't think it holds up. Doesn't hold up very well, but it's hard to hold up that sort of very specific cultural moments. I think it, it doesn't hold up. However, a lot of people are still into it because they're making these movies now, which are comedies. And I think that's the way you have to do it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I think uh, those two guys have a pretty good thing going with uh, the movies. I've watched both, and they're pretty fun. Yeah. Um, and they uh, uh, written by Jonah Hill, uh, starring him, and... Uh, who's the Tatum. other guy? Who is it? Chatting Tatum? Channing Tatum? Channing Tatum? Chatting? 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 Sir Chattington Tatum. <laughs> sexy man. <laughs> yeah, sexy abs. Uh they're pretty funny. They have they have a lot of fun with it, and I think they have a lot of fun with the stuff that feels a little obtuse about the show. The way they sort of are trying to be young adults, but they're clearly you know like fuck up real adults. Yeah, and I thought that's what the show would be like. We could laugh at how silly it was, but it wasn't worthy of laughing at how silly it was because it was taking itself pretty seriously very seriously yeah and it's also unclear even though Johnny Depp stars in it why he would become a star later he isn't really doing anything uh, big or important or portraying something that it's hard to see him turn into just the eye candy yeah it's hard to see you know like Erica mentioned this before he met Tim Burton but hard to see how he would sort of blossom into someone who could play so on the timeline he did Cry Baby afterwards which became a huge cult hit yeah and that was only like two years after this show so i think that's what happened yeah and those were those are great the first few johnny depp before he became this like caricature that that he is now well see i didn't really follow his career all that much Mm -hmm. but i have followed the pirates of the caribbean (laughs) trilogy (laughs) the beginning of the decline of johnny depp and uh they're great Really? Yeah. yeah I, they're I fun agree. movies. They are fun movies. Yeah. And he's really fun in them. Okay. He's really funny in them. I haven't seen them. Which I always found funny at Disneyland and Disney World. It never made sense to me like why they had like this whole Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Because it didn't make much sense. Now yeah. it makes more sense. With the movie. With to the explain. movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where the ride came first and then right. the movie, right? Mm-hmm. But it, but it's also weird because, because like with the movie Battleship coming from the game, 
which is like a terrible game. Yeah. It's very boring. I think it's a fun game. I don't know how you can make a movie out of it. It's it's literally math. It's a math game. You know what's exciting about it? Bad at math. (laughs) (laughs) What's exciting about it is I think it's Rihanna is in in the uh, movie version of it. I haven't seen it. Which is exciting for, you know, all kinds of the wrong reasons. Because she's a famous, like, you know, difficult person. Uh, And also very camera (laughs) shy at the same time. It's like, why would you agree to do this, like, dumb movie when you're one of the biggest pop stars in the world? But somehow I saw that dumb movie. Yeah, how was it? I can't remember. Okay. But I believe I liked it. It seemed like there was probably robots in it or something. Oh, really? I don't know. It gets, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's forgettable. As forgettable as the game. Do you remember if they had to use the charting system I, to bomb other uh, ships? I'm sure that they, I'm sure like they had, I, I bet you an EMP went off and like they had to figure out how with blips and blops, I'm sure. Mm. Yeah. It would make for a great M. Night Shyamalan version where at the end it pulls out and it's a kid <laughs> playing <laughs> Battleship that's determining the lives, the fate of these uh, people on the boat. I remember as a kid, um, my si- we were playing that game and my sister very cleverly stacked all the ships on top of each other mm-hmm. but once I found one of them yeah. I got them all that's a that's a that's like a second level strategy in in um, battleship right is to like leave most of the board open and just hide them in one area and hope you don't get found out right yeah uh, that game room. You guys ever played Mastermind? Mm-hmm. Do you know that game, where you have uh, pegs of different color, and uh, the other person's trying to guess, and so they put their four pegs in, and you have to tell them how many pegs of the right color did they get, and how many are in the right spot. Yeah, no. Um, and that one has a similar sort of algorithm to figure it, figuring it out. It's just like somebody who was stuck somewhere for a long time. Like on a deserted island, mm-hmm. there's two of them. Is that where these kind of games come yeah. from? Yeah, it's like a puzzle <laughs> that you can do with someone else to yeah. pass the time. Yeah, but I, I think it's it's a little bit smarter than other ones in the sense that there's you can start doing the first styles of like your own strategy and working through algorithms and figuring out which ones are more efficient than others someone who cares about computer science this is like a fun little computer science problem you know huh. you can leverage a computer have you brought problem. this up with your kids no I haven't uh, we we uh, maybe in the future but right now we're in a very sort of early stages of our program where yeah. we're before before we can do bigger more exciting things we have to do the basics which we're still figuring it out like how to even run a computer science classroom um, very uh, right at the beginning of computer science education in the early grades but that's really boring to talk about so let's talk about Cagney and Lacey alright that's where we're headed that's where we're headed Cagney and Lacey it's two female detectives um, one of them looks like the Australian actress uh, you know who she that is um, Tony Collette yeah, one of them looks like Tony Collette a little bit. The other one looks like um, who's the blonde from uh, 
the Bruce Willis uh, detective show, Moonlighting. Oh, doesn't look like Sybil Shepard. A little bit like Sybil Shepard. All right, so, oh, this is interesting. Cagney and Lacey must ignore their feminist sentiments. And the episode's called Better Than Equal. And it's from 1982. And the reason we're interested in it is because, um, you know, so many of the shows, especially detective shows, are so masculine. We watched... Um, there was no girls in the last 21 Jump Street except for someone who answered the phone. Yeah, no girls yeah. in 21 Jump Street, no girls in Miami Vice. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and it's cool that they're actually taking on feminism in the workplace. Uh, we'll see if that actually follows through, but this description is saying it is. Um, do you, uh, When you guys think about feminism in the 80s or being, you know, women, like when you think about your parents or aunts working... Um, d- I guess no one knows when you're, you know, when you're younger, like stuff's interesting or weird. But nowadays, you know, I definitely hear from a lot of female friends about sort of challenges of uh, working. I have a friend who's pregnant and going to give birth and she's fighting to figure out how she can do it and, you know, get enough paid time off and still manage to work her tough job of, of, being a teacher and how to balance that and then uh, thinking about the Obama uh, speech it was a very sort of feminist speech about all the things that you know people especially working mothers need to be successful um, you know uh, paid uh, sick time uh, paid family leave and all that stuff and you know even though we're 30 years past 1982 we still haven't figured any of those things out we're one of the richest countries that does not have a good system for women or sick people taking time off to take care of families or themselves no we do not do you, I remember back at yeah. this point like my mom my family uh, my mom was a stay at home mom mm-hmm. and it, like this was around the time where um, in, in Mormonism like uh, what was, was the equal not the equal rights but what was the equal rights amendment yeah was that yeah. the one for women yeah that was a big yeah. deal it was going to codify <laughs> wage discrimination right, right. I think if I and, remember uh, it right the Mormon church was very much against it it's shocking yeah and and so I can remember like vague memories of like my dad and mom having conversations about these things and how it was like it was not proper and that women should be at home Mm-hmm. not working I wonder if better than equal has to do with that equal rights amendment the title yeah it was a big thing and, it, and it, uh, if you don't know it, it lost I think you know there's a couple of things right there's the idea that things should be equal and then the argument now which is that not only should be equal but you have to sort of create allowances for things that are going to be very specific to people right like mm-hmm. Equality is not going to help a working mother because equality is going to say, well, you get the same rules that a guy does. And that's not very useful to you if you want to be able to have kids and continue your job or continue to climb the corporate ladder. Um, I, know, uh, I know in the corporate world it's a very like disconcerting thing having a kid and then 
sort of not being in the loop when you get back or you not being trusted to like take your job seriously because suddenly now you have a kid and uh, can you be asked you know expected to work hard and all that kind of stuff yeah I I was raised by a single mom and so I don't even think that women's rights were in the mix it was more just like affording to work any type of job thrown at you Mm -hmm. that was where I came from to the point where I have sisters and a single mom if a plumber came into our house and it had a man's voice like the cats would scatter because they were so scared of of a deep (laughs) voice so that's my feminist take is like men are scary run away hide under a hide under the toilet if a (laughs) I learned everything from the cats they they watched us well (laughs) while my single mother was working you took their lead yeah like oh What's this dude doing in here? But uh, but that would be if it was a plumber, that'd be a bad place to hide. Yeah, I know. It was just <laughs> I, I couldn't get I couldn't get the image out of being in the bathroom. So yeah, I, 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 I can see your problem right here. You got a kid, <laughs> you got a kid hiding under here. <laughs> That's where the toilet's not flushing, right? Mm-hmm. So you feel like uh, being, I feel like so. um, money was more of an issue, but maybe I just had no awareness. There wasn't any. We didn't have any equality because we didn't have anything to see that someone was making more money or we weren't getting the same type of deals. We were just not getting enough money to really survive the way we wanted to. Mm -hmm. Whether or not I just was too young to realize that's because it was a woman or it's because the woman's job profession was an astrologer. All those things are hard (laughs) to say. She didn't have a real job, so who knows? Yeah, right? That, that's yeah, there's there a glass ceiling in astrology? <laughs> I don't think so. I think uh-huh. that's... We could tell uh, what sign any man was who came in. They were a cancer, obviously, because that's the woman's sign, and only, only cancers would want to see an astrologer because it was such a woman's profession, a woman's ideal to spend money. She takes money from... She had an office down in the city. She'd drive down. And get paid a lot for these housewives, housewives who are very lonely and bored and needed some connection to the astrological New Age world. And so she was their little, their liaison for that. Hey, um, do you think, do you think your, any of your mother's dreams went unfulfilled? There's, are there things that she could have done or could have been that uh, were limited? By I don't think so. I don't think she ever, it She's a sticky case because, like, before she was an astrologer, she, like, worked for the circus. So it's not like, like, she's selling tickets. Like, she never had a job that she had to show up to, really. So I don't think she even knew that language at all. I know my father, though, before they divorced and he fell off of a building, that he couldn't keep a job. The only person who could keep a job was that mother. But that was also probably a statement just on him, too. Wow. Did, wait, how did he fall off a building? He was he was working on the roof and fell off a building. Oh, jeez. He survived. Oh, jeez. I was learning to read at the time, and I surpassed him by far still to this day. Whoa. Wow. Okay. On that note, yeah, oh man, that's a lot of tragedy. 
I don't know. I'm, I'm okay with it. I think <laughs> you guys should be okay with it. Any <laughs> predictions? Is anyone going to fall off a roof in this episode of Cagnelli's? Sometimes that happens in detective happens shows uh, where you're like chasing the suspect. And if I'm a suspect, I'm never going to climb to the roof, which a lot of suspects seem to do. And then there's that moment up on the roof. Where they're like, no, don't do it. Don't go any further. It's better if you just come in with us. So you're, you're not going to practice? My escape routes? <laughs> no, my escape routes are ground level. But, that's, yeah, but then you can make a great movie where you take that fear, like in Vertigo, and he can't chase you. You know, you pick the cop that can't go to a tall building and then blame everything on him. And I watched Batman Returns last night, and they blame Batman as well for a similar thing because she fell because some bat flew by and she oh, right, fell right. off. She fell off, yes. And so it was Batman's fault because his dumbass was on a roof. So <laughs> there's a lot of, you can blame a lot of people when you're on top of a roof and someone there, falls down. There's also a lot of the clandestine meetings on the roof uh, in Departed. Um, mm-hmm. If you remember uh, the character, the detective who's in charge of the undercover uh, character, uh, detective, they meet on a construction site on the roof and then the crooked cops go up there and throw him off the roof um, and I think they go on the roofs because they don't want to be surveilled um, there's so many better places to anything meet. goes on a roof I guess yeah well, I'm yeah. reading a book right now and they always meet at a karaoke uh, place because like all the rooms play karaoke and like they're like kind of soundproof to not disturb the karaoke next to it so they can just have a if someone walks by, they can just be talking to each other, but they can't hear it. Right. With the music on. Mm-hmm. Well, that's smart. What book are you reading? Uh, it's called Cockroaches by somebody whose name I can't pronounce because they're Dutch or Norwegian. It's a Norwegian writer, and it's uh, translated into English. It's pretty good. It sounds good. They're in Thailand right now, dealing with pedophiles. Boats. What happens in Thailand? Stays in town. Norwegian pedophiles. Yeah. I guess that's a problem for the Norwegians. It's a problem for all of us. Or like a, I don't know, or like a, like a, sh- I guess they're, they got a bad rap for it because there's a few prominent Norwegian pedophiles maybe. I don't know. I couldn't name a pedophile. Does anyone? Um, like famous ones. Who? Woody Allen, uh, uh, the director, uh, the Roman Pete, Polanski. Roman Polanski, Pete, um, yeah. Pete Townsend. Oh yeah. <laughs> Pete Townsend claimed he was doing research. Yeah, but I'm fucking sorry. <laughs> With the, the well, uh, then let's see the Penn fucking State dissertation. <laughs> oh yeah, Sandusky yeah. or uh, whatever. Well, yeah, that guy's I guess I'm level. I'm glad that you can't name a personal pedophiler. <laughs> yeah, I don't know personally. <laughs> that means you're living a good life. <laughs> cool. I think because most people keep it secret until yeah. they get caught. Yeah, but you know, would would you write a book about a bunch of American pedophiles in Thailand, like as a thing? It's been well, the, for sure. Uh, we're watching PBS, and PBS was doing a thing about do you know the the series Half the Sky? It's about sort of women's rights and and uh, women's being victims and. I think the new episode is about sex trafficking yeah. and um, the large number of girls and women that are sort of caught up, are caught in that system. Ooh, this will be interesting to see during, because we're coming up on the Super Bowl, and that mm-hmm. happens every Super Bowl. 
time. Like mm-hmm. that's a perfect time to catch sex traffickers. Yeah. Why yeah. does it have to do with the Super Bowl? Because um, depending on where the Super Bowl is, a lot of times they'll like ship girls in. Oh my goodness, that's yeah. disgusting. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, to to put a caveat on that, it's hard to separate that from sort of pop uh, assumptions around. You know, like. It's a thing that everyone says too, you know, like. Um, um, but they've had some pretty big busts in the last few years. We'll, we'll get like forty people. But but I've I've also heard the other argument is that they the police use that occasions to then harass um, prostitutes too. Is they'll make their bust during that time because people just sort of expect that, and mm-hmm. you know there's the double-edged sort of sort of police involvement. Sometimes the victims become doubly victims by both the Johns and the uh, police officers. And certain jurisdictions have decided to completely uh, uh, not penalize the prostitutes and just. That's a Scandinavian country did that. I think it's a Scandinavian country. They're always doing that progressive thing. And it's cut it, it just put the crime on the Johns instead of the, the. ladies and um the prostitutes and it's cut it some crazy significant it pretty much is obsolete because huh. of the switch what is obsolete now Do, people aren't paying for sex anymore because you can be prosecuted for paying for sex instead of prosecuting the people who yeah, are yeah, providing providing it. yeah that, that that seems totally the right thing to do especially when it seems like a lot of these women are completely powerless um, and you know that yeah you combine that with illegal immigration or like like you said like sex trafficking where you're brought against you know your will pretty much and you're in debt to terrible people yeah it's a scary scary world um, I forget uh, there was one case that I heard um, that sort of blew my mind um, there was a fire in a building in um, either in New York or Berkeley and uh, this girl wandered out of the building and that began this huge human trafficking case that that building had been storing people in it mm-hmm. and multiple of them died and then I forget the whole story but they're terrible okay oh this is, this is a depressing this podcast. is a really down uh, podcast man yeah the, all right let's try to pick up the pace hit the brakes on this one yeah um let's let me get to the theme and then we will um Try to be in a better mood afterwards. Cagney and Lacey must ignore their feminist sentiment. Better than equal. Episode 6. Season finale. First season. Alright. Next time you hear from us, uh, we will have watched that episode and ready to tell you about it. great episode of Cagney and Lacey. Um, who wants to do the plot summary? 
Let's have a woman do it. All right. So Cagney and Lacey are two female detectives in New York City, early 80s, and they are assigned to protect someone who is a representative, does a lot of speeches about the woman's role in, should be in the household, cooking, you know, anti-feminist movement. And so they butt heads. The woman does not want them to protect her because she doesn't trust women cops protecting her. What they're protecting her from is a man is making obscene phone calls and now threatening her. They're taking off the case because she doesn't like them and some guys are put on to protect while they are still doing detective work where they find out who he is and they talk him out of it and they catch him essentially at the end. Great. That's a great summary. Cagney and Lacey um, are pretty feminist themselves. Uh, they bring up the Equal Rights Amendment, so point for Adam. And this um, lady opposes the Equal Rights Amendment, which is this uh, long fight to get a special amendment added to the Constitution that prevents um, discrimination against uh, women codified into the Constitution. It had a long history. I was reading up on it. It had like a 60 year no all the way up to 2011 starting in the 20s to get uh, another amendment added to the constitution it failed even though it had pretty large amount of support um, it passed congress it didn't get the two-thirds of the states uh, to pass it in the 80s uh, when the show came that was sort of the last viable moment um of that movement, it gets reintroduced every few years, last being 2011, but um, some people argue that the, the time has passed. So they're in the, right in the midst of it, and also in the, um, the 70s feminist movement, which uh, brought that, um, that politics back into it. Um, do you want to talk about who Cagney and Lacey are, Adam? Uh, Cagney and Lacey are... Uh, two detectives who went up through the ranks. You get the feeling from the opener that they had started out as on-the-beat cops who had um, successfully taken down various criminals. You don't know who while well, watching, but you get the idea that that's how they made it to becoming detectives. Mm -hmm. And then once they became detectives, uh, like in the opener it says, oh, what are the undercover clothes or something? Well, I don't remember that. They're walk. They're dressed as uh, prostitutes, oh, yeah. and like one of them makes a comment to the other, like, "Oh, these plain clothes detectives." Mm -hmm. Just like these aren't plain clothes. Mm -hmm. So that's where they're coming up. Cagney is you don't you get the feeling that she might be single. She's the blonde. She's the blonde, and then the brunette Lacey is married with two children, mm -hmm. to Harvey, who is sort of like this Irish fun. You know, understanding husband. Mm -hmm. And in this episode, it's her anniversary, and she's trying to figure out what to buy him. And he's trying to set up this nice anniversary. Yeah, there's a there's a really nice uh, second story about being there for the anniversary dinner, which he doesn't make, but the husband's very understanding and says all the right things. And she does make it in late and, and gets to put on the nice lingerie that he bought her. 
And he wants her to quit smoking as her gift to him. Yeah. The show's pretty health conscious. There's a couple of moments where people talk about how the, at the workplace there's sort of a brutish uh, young guy who plays the foil. Uh, he delivers all the sexist comments. He has a framed picture of John Wayne on his desk. <laughs> yeah. He is the two-dimensional male chauvinist. As he's yeah. watching ba- ba- uh, boxing, he is reenacting all the boxing stuff, aping yeah. what's happening on TV, but yeah. not in a very good way. At one point, he's eating a pastrami sandwich, and one of the detectives uh, tells him how unhealthy it is. It is, it is just, um, he said he said that's probably why it tastes so good. <laughs> and then walks off. <laughs> yes. I thought all the characters were, even his two-dimensional, like, he was there in order to have these conversations. Um, all the characters had... Uh, interesting depth. They weren't, like, super cliche. Like, even the creepy, <laughs> weird... Uh, sergeant or lieutenant who just they would keep shots on him far too long and he had awkward smiles <laughs> awkward smiles well well the the oaf mm-hmm. or the foil like uh, somebody has a, a python on the subway and I guess somehow that's illegal so they like so they confiscated the python they hit it in a trash can and they were gonna scare Cagney and Lacey with it and the chief is like yeah that's a great gag and he just smiles I think he's supposed to be uncomfortable with it. Yeah. Yeah. And he's pretending not to be uncomfortable with it. And then, of course, Cagney and Lacey are not uncomfortable with it. I don't know if it's this episode because it had to do with this feminist right, or it's every episode that they're proving how tough they are and on this campaign of of bringing down the stereotypes of what a woman is. I I bet you it's still there in other episodes, but way toned down. I think Mm -hmm. they turned it up for this one. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's an impassioned argument when the lieutenant says, you know, explain to me why you hate Miss Granger, and they have to argue why uh, protections for women need to be enshrined into the Constitution, and they appeal to the black detective uh, to say, you know, um, isn't that what you would want for your daughter? Also appeal to him to be like, you know, how would you feel about protecting the head of the KKK? Uh, to explain why they are uh, uncomfortable with her, but they're professionals and they they continue to do their job successfully. They're ingenious. They do the hard work. Well, they actually do detective work. Unlike detective work, unlike too. Miami Vice. Yeah, which unlike a lot of shows, like this was a very well crafted. Like I saw where they got to. I understood I want why things were happening. Were clicked. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, it's almost it's almost as if the male chauvinists won with Miami Vice, where just being a guy with a flashy suit and a car, no one fast you know, car, that no one has to ask you any questions. You no got a fast has, car. No need, no need for a plot or like development on why. Yeah, just just the flashiness is enough to keep people's yeah. attention. Um, this reminded me. And you guys kept saying, but like one, it reminded me of a lot of Law and Order. Like, yes. I, could, I felt like you know the precursors were all there, from the like the because it was not a comedy, but there were funny moments, there mm-hmm. were lighthearted moments, kind of like in Law and Order, where there's still where it's not like it's a comedy, but there are those moments where they're yeah. ribbing each other and joking back and forth. And yeah. they use New York City as a character as well, and the characters within New York City as yeah. Yeah. like talking. To the hot dog stand guy. That was a very Law and Order. The scene. hot dog stand scene, though, was 
disturbing because I, I have never seen a hot dog stand guy whose apron was that dirty with mustard. There was <laughs> I think so it was a much, yellow apron. There was so much mustard that he had wiped on that thing. But he was also so diligently getting each hot dog ready. Yeah, he's I've never really seen someone pay this much attention to making a hot dog. Well, his stand was is located in 14th Street, Union Square. Because right is on it? Broadway and 14th, 14th Street. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think he would be that diligent because most <laughs> of his clientele would be tourists. He I don't think it was have... then. So Early 80s? This, they had a lot of great shots of old New York City and mm-hmm. Union Square looked very different. It did it look... Did. Did, so you think he would have... I think like that, where it was he, dirtier he known and his, weirder, his it wasn't it wasn't as nice as it is right now. It'd have now. been more like the, that bratwurst guy yeah. who like takes or like the soup guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did I want to say? I forgot. Uh, well, have you ever? You know, they always talk about like. I don't, one thing, like coming to New York, everyone's like, "Oh, don't let the food vendors scam you." Like, if they think you're a tourist, they'll like charge you extra. Has that ever is that happened? Is that even possible? Well, the thing is, they that now they have to display the price. Mm-hmm. Oh, they don't have to do that before. And I and I don't know when that changed. That might that might have been years and years ago, but I feel like I feel, one time I was getting a hot dog in cent, near Central Park. I think the guy said something like six bucks, and I just mm. said no. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Yeah, two fifty. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it was like, that was the closest I think. Because like, that's the thing. If I mean, I could see myself not be, if I wasn't hadn't been living here. They said six bucks. I'd be like, oh gosh, that's expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like living here is like no. Yeah, well, you still have to do that with the taxi drivers. I mean, I could, I would, I would have just dropped the hot dog on the ground and walked. Yeah. It's funny the way you say hot dog. It's like hot dog. What's wrong with that? Hot dog. Hot dog. Me? Yeah. I say it wrong. I feel like you're saying it like a Norwegian. Hot dog. Hot dog. Because <laughs> I don't say hot dog. How do you say it? Yeah, you're supposed to pause. With <laughs> How do you say it? <laughs> you say it. Um, back to Cagney and Lacey. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we, we really like the show. Very impressed. Uh, it's so sophisticated. It's, it's thoughtful. It, it really um, gives uh, gives a really smart take on, on work uh, females in the workplace. Uh, Cagney and Lacey are, you know, it, it's, it's not easy doing what they do, but it also isn't oppressive. Uh, they, they have dignity and, and are competent. Uh, plus, the workplace is diverse. There's more black actors um, on this show than probably anything we've seen. Anything we've seen, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get lines, and they're like part of what's going on. There's a, That's a, there's, yeah, a real back and forth between yeah. Yeah, the, like the, the, the smaller characters. Yeah. But yeah, but uh, what as I say, the whenever the villain called or came on that music played that was like mm. everybody watching it's time to understand now that the villain is yeah. here which I f- it was a little cartoony but it was yeah. kind of funny yeah, like, the well, Jaws like, shark sound because the music was ridiculous there was cat sounds in it I swear like it was not regular music and let's describe his crime he's made a few phone calls he broke into her house once and, and gave then, her 
box of chocolates. And then destroy some of her underwear. Well, threatened to kill her. That's a Well, crime. wait, but... And, that was and, before the threat. Yeah, that was before the threat. And then he threatened to kill her. Mm-hmm. And then he did some he minor vandalism yeah. in a theater. I think he's going to walk. And I'm <laughs> shocked that Cagney and Lacey... These... You're going to think that you can't make a threat to kill somebody. Oh, you don't. Dude, uh, plus doing it over the phone, there's possible that you get um, some special her, charges. He had a gun on him, Her too. word against his. No. The police are going to testify. Record, yeah, it was recorded. Plus they, they've recorded they the threat. The, they, they heard it. They heard the, I'm going to kill you one? Yeah, it was yeah. on the phone. They recorded that. I don't know if they recorded that one, because like, she called and like he just called and said he was going to kill me. Okay, uh, but he care. had a gun on him, even though it was licensed. I, I want to get to the threat. From I, want, I want to get to a point that Erica made, which is that 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 part of the plot is the weakest. Because first of all, it's hard to understand his motivation. They never explain that, and uh, it becomes a problem within the plot itself because everyone's sort of confused as to who it might be. Logically, you know, there should be some connection, but they really never develop it, and they. The, the stalker uh, angle is such a thin one and you know when movies and shows have done it it's always like just really boring and, and they the stalker becomes this very like flat character uh, who the only motivation is to just sort of unnerve people uh, some of the worst thrillers are about stalkers and you're right and then the music that associated with it and they don't give him any lines till near the end so you really don't know who he is Maybe because they knew that they had nothing to fill in the the gaps with. Um, so when they do finally tell you about it, it sort of leaves you with this, like, you know, this case just sort of happened. The the emotional heart of it is the relationship between the husband and, and Cagney, or Lacey. I'm not sure which one's... Lacey. Lacey. Um, so I think for a finale, it's a little bit weak, but the show has a lot of promise yeah. to it. I was entertained the whole time. Yeah. Even with its pace, it has more of a 70s pace <clears throat> yeah. than in the style of film, too. But I appreciate that. I thought it was entertaining. Yeah, great all the way through. Um, let's get to maybe like what you would like to see this show doing, or would you like to bring it back, and how would you bring it back? Oh, before we get to that, while you're thinking, uh, there was no rooftop action. There was one shot on the rooftop, but no... He was just looking through binoculars. Just looking through binoculars. Mm-hmm. There could have been rooftop action. Well, they made a joke about the um, the the dummy, the dummy cop, because he was on the roof. And they're like, oh, he would jump from roof to roof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they, 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 the, fun, the final moment where they catch the guy, they could have, made, they could have heightened the tension, but they just... Catch him in a toll booth. There's no guns drawn, nothing like that. And they put him in a truck. Put him in a truck, which is you know much more normal and much more sort of uh, for me satisfying than like some bizarro ending, where, which is what you see nowadays. This one also had with like Twenty One Jump Street had some spray painting going on when he was he spray painting like you know what whatever that lady was like should die. I, w- I wonder if spray painting was such a Scrooge of the 80s that, that, that like, the society was almost brought to its knees by a by can s- of by aerosol can. paint. Because you don't see it as much now. And, it, and in the, the times, like, I do see it in anything. It's, like, so much, like, even more of, like, a caricature of what yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah and, was. I mean, there, there's, there's a train line that has big ads for a spray painting art show. 
Then again, I don't know if well, you've seen that. Well, that's the one that goes by PS One, right? That's, isn't it the elevated train? Yeah, but it, it's, it's seven goes by there. Yeah, it's Is funny because one? like they t- they tore down five points. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. But I'm so psyched about that. <laughs> there was a documentary made about the spray painting culture. It yeah, was, yeah. It's a Criterion movie. No, no, but I'm talking about now that like now what you subways. see is the, the 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 ads for uh, a show about spray painting that's right covers the train car, and you go but you know you think about the days where like spray painting seemed to have like ruined New York City. Well, it, uh-huh. people are nostalgic for it. The same reason that like neighborhoods like Bushwick are hip <clears throat> when they used to be terrible places. No, they still are. I wouldn't be caught dead there. I was mugged there. <laughs> Did they get your stuff? Oh, they got all my stuff. Your money. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. But that was years ago. I don't know. Bushwick. Yeah. What, what, I, what I do like about Bushwick now is I, I like a lot of like the murals that people are allowed to do. They mm. have the time to do it. They yeah. have the time to put in. like it, Civic art. Yeah. Yeah, like a business wants to get a... A three-story high fucking yeah. giraffe, yeah. yeah. Yes. Or the ones where, I like the ones where you, to protect yourself from graffiti, you put up a mural so that hopefully the, you know, the less shitty members of that crew Most, yeah, won't, won't, uh, won't tag it up. Um, and then there's always those assholes that still scribble their name. I know Ugh. a ton you know, you of know, graffiti artists, and I... Like, I will save my opinion on that. Yeah, like the the, the spray can is the extension of their dick. You know, like the, those guys. Oh, it's not, dude. I I it's even it's worse than that. What? Is... I it's like, um, oh, I don't. It's because it's not like it's not like the fast car Lamborghini type thing. It's more like it, it's a it's, it's really like, like a, a little like crying and like yeah. look at me, yeah. look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Yeah. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Yeah. No. Don't look at me. It's, it's like peeing like, on someone's like yeah, pants, you know? and it, whereas I feel like the person that with the Lamborghini is just like yeah, check out my big dick. Yeah, where these oh, I don't know, man, I could go on. They fucking suck. They're the they worst. Annoying. They are the worst. I yeah. am entertained by what people write on certain ads in the subway, though, like with the pen. That's fun. That's that's a defense. I don't mind thing. Rambo. Who does the ones that are kind of like BQE. on the BQE with like the poetry? Yeah, they're all funny. And Those are fun. He's got one, and I I think this is on purpose, but I don't know. But if you're going, I think like it's north for us. But I forget if it's west or east on the BQE, but north is the yeah. direction you're going. Yeah. It says something like, if you're driving in a truck, you can see it, but it, it, you're coming up. It's just like something, something like my brothers, and it's got an arrow pointing. And if you're in a truck, you can look over and see it's pointing at this cemetery. Mm. But if you're in a car, you're too low to see that it's hit the cemetery. I don't know. I don't know if it's on purpose. I, th- I think about it every time. So okay. That's cool. Fuck you, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's pointing to Manhattan. No, no, it's pointing the other way, into Queens. The, the cemetery would be towards Manhattan. Not this cemetery. Oh, there's okay. like the There's two over there. This one's hitting the other way. Uh, all right, uh, Cagney and Lacey. I would love to see a modern version of it because I think feminism doesn't nearly get enough. Well, you don't see women like them, you know, fighting the good fight and and pushing the boundaries. So uh, the show that's pop trending right now, The Fall, is called the most feminist show on television, and that's British though. With Gillian Anderson is the lead detective, and that an article just came out, and people are talking about it because it's on Netflix now. 
They're saying the most feminist show. What makes it so feminist? Well, because she... Did you watch it? I watch it, yeah. Yeah. Because she, like, takes this guy home with her the first night and sleeps with him and then just, like, discards him. And just... She's, like, the... What... She's the boss and is a really tough chick that works yeah. very hard. I feel like that's the that's the the present version of feminism where it has to be this incredibly tough, almost, you know, I, I say this with sensitivity, like the mannish version of a woman. Whereas these two women are doing something that you have sort of glossed over but still need to go back to is, you know, being successful in a male-dominant workplace, still maintaining a family, like that kind of stuff. It's not sexy. It's not like... I'm fucking a ton of dudes and like I don't care what society's judgment is but it's more like I want to make sure that I do my job really well I take care of these things that I have to do and also try to make sure this workplace is like you know gets my perspective I agree but I don't think we could have that conversation be interesting right now in just the style of television I, I think I, I think the the what's interesting is you can definitely make it interesting because it is what people are grappling with the 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 fem, the flashy feminism of I haven't seen the fall but what what seems like you're putting out there is such a niche thing maybe that's what people want to go to but I think there's a great show to be made about a woman navigating corporate America while trying to to, to have her goals, um, I think enlightened. Jane the Virgin. Yeah, or enlightened. I think tried to do that, and they're not flashy and they're sort of boring. But that's what made them so cool to me. Is that I don't think Fall is boring. I actually think you would like it. But that's what I'm saying. Well, I don't know, but I'm saying like I like the boring versions of it. I feel like they, they are really, um, you know, I, I I thought more about enlightened than I have about a lot of shows, and and I keep thinking about it because I'm like. Oh, that is, I've never really had that perspective on it. Like, what if you feel like you're crazy as a woman in a workplace and, like, people are just sort of using you for your looks and you have all these goals, but everyone thinks you're kind of an idiot and maybe you are, maybe you're not. Like, that stuff was really compelling. Um, I would love to see a Cagney and Lacey version of the two very solid, confident women, mm -hmm. but they're not in that, like, flashy 20s age. They're in their 40s. Mm -hmm. And they have worked really hard to get where they are they don't want to give up their careers. They want to maintain that. They want to have their identity in the city and in their workplace while they're still grappling with, you know, there's no outward sexism on the show. I mean, there's a, the guys saying stupid stuff, but there isn't someone who, like, you know, clearly hates women at their workplace. What they're dealing with, I think, is, like, sort of structural sexism. Um, it's kind of boring, but eh, it's kind of cool. You have to really, like, write well to show that. Well... We also we don't know. We can only judge it by this because we haven't seen the other ones. Maybe that goes. Maybe it goes there. Yeah, I would love to know what the creators did after this because this is pretty. I mean, I feel like pretty groundbreaking stuff. I have not seen anything like it on TV. But I feel like it's only groundbreaking because they're forcing a question. What you're looking for is not having that question be the reason the show exists. I think possibly the reason the show exists is to have that cat that that. Um, the end that joke that like juxtaposition which then takes away from the feminist movement if you have to show it so clearly and make it such a stance I don't think it's a I don't think it's like you know sort of shackled by the movement I think um, it, it's 
Yeah, I don't know. I actually I was at a work I was in Philly for a conference and then the first workshop I went to was about feminism and it was about this really cool teacher that I know um, and her point was um, that you know you can define feminism in many ways but uh, she wanted to use the idea of intersectionality that like you know everyone's sort of involved in you know either if you want to use the word oppression or being oppressed or doing that and uh, her point was that you know if, if you are opposed to that you're a, whether you know it or not but you're a feminist and so it isn't this thing of just like let me care about the equal rights amendment it's about you know uh, changing that I'm not doing a good job explaining her thesis but that really appealed to me and like really made me think about why we don't use terms like a lot of kids nowadays don't want to use the term feminist or uh, don't feel like, you know, stuff that 30 years ago would have been clearly identified as sexist or racist. Like kids nowadays are just like, no, no, like, I, I don't feel like it has to apply to me. Like they feel like they live in this world that they're past it all. And you look at any of the data or any of the rules, and it's like, clearly that's not the case. Um, you can't, most jobs, you can't have a kid and keep that job. I mean, that's mind blowing to me. Sure. I don't know how you make a show about that, but I would love to see that. Well, I don't know. like, sure, in a perfect world, everyone gets to do whatever the fuck they want, but only I mean, in it, a only in a perfect no, world. But no, the thing is, like, I uh, I was listening to I forget what she was where she was from, but she was talking about how it is it is difficult as a business owner to look at two people who have like the same exact thing, like you know, like mm-hmm. backgrounds. And she herself, who, like, was a working mother and, like, got herself to this position where she, you know, has her own business and is looking at it and she's like, fuck, if I hire this chick, she might want to have a kid. Well, but then, and, I, no, but, and but, like, in her mind, she's like, I've got to go with the dude. I'm gonna. No, but, but that's why it has to be taken out of your hand. I mean, you can apply that to everything. This is how you get, this is how you get a racist study with good people. Everyone's just making, like, that's why the government has to come in and say, no longer are you able to make that decision. We're either going to pay for it, which is one way of doing things, where if that person does get paid, it's paid for. Because you could apply the same thing to, oh, I think that person's going to get sick. I'm not going to hire them. I'm a good person, but I have to care about my business. So in some places, I've done that. This idea that like it's just going to be left up to the business owner to be good all the time is not going to get us done. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not a business owner. I don't know the answer to these things. I like not to be a dick about it, but like I don't know. And like, <laughs> yeah, and, and these aren't my. Issues. These are not my personal daily problems. You know what? You know? They're not even my personal daily problems, and they probably should be. It's well, that's the thing with oppression. We're all, you know, like it's all together, guys. Are, are we? Are we <laughs> what do we? All together for what? That that if you like know, the if, Star Trek fucking future? Yeah, the, if we're not if we're not all doing well, none of us are doing well. <laughs> final words. No final. Thank you for listening to this roller coaster of a podcast we had today. Yeah, I you know, and uh, I hope you're doing well. Because if you're not, then I'm not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, thank you, everyone. Uh, See you next week, and uh, have a good, safe week.